today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Let's uh, bring in Dr. Samantha Hill, president of the Ontario Medical Association, and is with us now. Doctor, thank you for the time. How are you on this uh, vaccination day? Uh, a pretty positive day, I'm guessing, uh, in your yeah. world, and everybody must be very excited about this. It's terribly exciting. I can't help but be a little bit anxious still, and I think I'm not the only healthcare worker feeling that way. We're so close to the end. We're so close to being able to get back to something that seems normal and something that seems healthier, that it's easy to think, well, maybe I'll just make different decisions this holiday than I would have otherwise, right? The vaccine's already here. What, and I'm, I can't have to say I'm a little bit anxious about what people are going to do over the holidays. You know, you bring up a very valid point, and, uh, you know, we were talking to some experts last week, and, you know, many were predicting whether, you know, whatever ro- uh, role the vaccine plays in this in the next six months or, or, or not, um, the the period following the holidays, maybe two to six weeks after the holidays, those are most likely to be the darkest hour of this pandemic. Would that be accurate? I think it's very, very likely. People are so tired of all the precautions that have rolled out over the last year, and they're so anxious to get back to normal. And the holidays are such a hard time for so many people anyways, that it just seems like a confluence of events that really has the potential to set us off course. Have you? Do you think we've accepted the fatigue and accepted that, you know, we're going to drop our guard? Or, or do you think people are still getting the message, hey, we got to be careful here? I mean, obviously, with areas going down into lockdown today, we saw lots of action at shopping malls over the weekend. Uh, do you think, uh, uh, you know, it's obvious we've relaxed our guard, we've lowered the guard, but do you think people are okay with that? And that's the problem. You know, I think people, no. I'm going to rephrase that. I think some people are okay with it until it affects them personally, but I think many people are still trying. And the thing is, you know, if I could say one thing to the people listening, it's that throughout all of this, the healthcare professionals, not just doctors, but nurses and PSWs and RTs and everyone who takes care of you has shown up with courage and compassion to share their expertise and to take care of people. And we've been called heroes and heroines and It's nice, but we're also human, and we've been under enormous physical, mental, and emotional strain. So if people, Ontarians, could do what they've done so many times before this year and just muster up the resilience and the reserve to do what they can to curb that spread ahead of us and keep us from getting to that 10,000 worst-case scenario that's being potentially predicted, that's what everyone has a moral and ethical responsibility to do. And I know it's hard. I do. I really do. I miss my parents, too. But we're so close. Let's get everyone we can across that finish line. And, and, uh, you know, you bring up a valid point, and we've been trying to ram this uh, home on the show for the last several weeks, is, you know, a lot of people are feeling, well, you know, especially perhaps if you're younger, this isn't going to affect me. I mean, you know, if I get it, I'll recover and such. But that's not the issue here. The issue is here that some people become very sick, and they clog up hospital space. They take up space in the healthcare system and and overtax that system. So surgeries, uh, things that are normal done cannot be done whether you know you have a heart attack or accidents or what have you that's where the problem is and and i'm not sure people are getting that message absolutely so i would say to the younger people who are feeling a little bit blasé about all of this and not all of them are but to those who are there's two things to take home first of all there well three things i guess first of all there are younger people dying we've had deaths in the 20 to 30 group 30 to 40 group 40 to 50 group it's not just the 70 and up 
The second thing is that we're not talking a lot about the people who don't die, but there are a lot of people out there who are suffering long-term consequences, and we don't know how long it's going to take to resolve. Trouble breathing, various other issues that just don't go away once the, vac- once the virus is gone. And then the third thing is, as you've mentioned, this issue with the hospital resources. We started this year with the government making a pledge to try and reduce backlog, and then, of course, the pandemic hit and backlog has done anything but reduce. But when those systems are overwhelmed, when the ICU beds are full and the ORs can't run, that means so much care isn't happening. And it's things that might affect younger or older people. It's cardiac surgeries and cancer care, but it's also preventative care like vaccines and pap smears and colonoscopies. It's This is where the risk of young women having missed breast cancer comes in or young men getting sepsis, which is a bad infection, and not being able to get access as fast as they should. So we really do all have a stake in this game. You know, you bring up a valid point, too, and we're hearing more and more about those long haulers, people who have theoretically recovered from this but are still feeling that fog, are are still certainly not at 100%. And as you mentioned, there are some concerns about how this affects the neurological system and long-term brain function and such, which we just don't have the answers to those questions at this point. Absolutely. This is what living on the front edge of a leading scientific breakthrough looks like, right? This is a new virus. It's, the long-term effects aren't known. And it's an exciting time for some, in some ways because of the collaboration we've seen across multiple technologies and medicine, for the collaboration we've seen between countries, um, different groups. But it's also a terrifying time for many people because we simply can't tell you what the future is going to bring. And today, so uh, we're seeing the very first uh, uh, personal support workers, uh, personal care workers being vaccinated today. Uh, it just happened on, on live television there uh, uh, a few minutes ago. As we mentioned, we're heading towards January and February, which theoretically could could present a problem with new cases and such. Where do these two lines intersect? I mean, we have the vaccinations arriving, but obviously they're very small amounts that we, we certainly have haven't got to a point where like a flu shot we're doing any sort of mass uh, vaccination of any point so where do these two where does that rise up in january and february and then the finally the vaccines level this out where do they meet so it's such a great question and the answer as to where they meet really depends on what people do but the information that we have is that we are looking at everyone who wants to be vaccinated being vaccinated by september So that is a lot closer than it was six months ago, but it's still really far away. And the televised vaccination today, even hearing about it, knowing that some of those PSWs are a little bit more protected than they were six months ago. I mean, it's it's almost tear worthy. It is very, very important. And it's an emotional day for many. But as you said, the case counts are climbing. They're continuing to climb. I haven't seen today's numbers yet, but Everything keeps going up. We had 250 in the ICUs the last time I checked. And it is, we need to get people vaccinated and safe before we can relax the precautions. And so that means that while we're waiting for those two curves to intersect, we need Ontarians to stay away from other people, wear a mask, wash their hands, make 2020 the year you celebrate the holidays at home. And make 2021 the year you travel around the world and celebrate with the rest of your family. <laughs> well put. Uh, so, again, here we are in the second wave. We talked about that critical number of, of how many in ICU beds and such. How do we compare to the first wave in the second wave that we're in now? So it's an interesting 
comparison because the curves are very different. It's a slower uptake in this first wave, but we are seeing very similar responses. And as we know from the first wave, we didn't hit the scary numbers that a lot of people were worried about. And I think that's part of what is making people a little bit less concerned. They've already had that surge of adrenaline and the big fear. And most people, unfortunately not the long-term care residents, but most people that people who aren't healthcare workers have access to and speak to did fine. And so people are a little bit more reassured. But what we do see from that second curve and what we've seen from around the world is that the precautions that we keep talking about and contact tracing and being able to really have access to those COVID tests is what's going to make the difference between whether the apex of the second curve is lower or higher than the apex of the first curve. We could still very much outdistance the deaths and hospitalizations that we saw the first time around. So uh, I'm playing devil's advocate here. So what if I say I'm masking, I'm trying to social distance, I'm washing my hands, why can't I go out? I mean, as, as long as I'm doing the protocol, can I still go out? So here's the thing. The protocol reduces the risk. It doesn't drop it to an absolute zero. You going out increases the risk. It doesn't raise it to an absolute certainty. And this is where everything becomes a gamble and a roll of the dice. And you need to make decisions. Everyone needs to make decisions about what risk they're prepared to accept. And it becomes hard because the personal motivation to see other people and interact in the world freely, that can't be understated. It's so important and we all miss it so much. But I don't know about you. If I find out later that I was responsible for a breakout of the epidemic that cost people their lives, Mm. that would never be worth whatever I did that day. And the truth is, you'll never know. So every time that you go out, you are potentially responsible for something terrible. And it's a horrible weight to put on people. And I'm sorry to do it. But it's what we need to be hearing right now very clearly is that we are not out of the woods yet. We all have power and responsibility to avert the outcomes. And this is when we need to buckle down, lean in and make it through to the other side. You know, and when you think about it, doctor, there's not much more we can do in regard or governments can do in regard to other than driving that message home right the way through to the holiday, uh, because, you know, we're, 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 we're other than a total lockdown, which we're almost close to anyway, certainly are in some hotspots. There's not much more government can do, can they, other than just hammer that message home? Well, you know, that's a, an interesting question because in other countries where we've, where people value personal freedoms less, uh, they've certainly done a lot more and yeah. they've seen rapid, rapid changes in their uh, rates of infection and they've gotten control of the virus mass faster. But we're Canadian. There are things that we value and I and many healthcare workers are praying that our values for personal freedom and our values for social responsibility are meeting in a good place. Hmm. So do you think, could you see between now and, say, Christmas, that everybody just, all right, that's it, it's getting out of control, we're locking it down? You know, I wouldn't personally mind that. I've told my parents uh, to basically lock themselves indoors for the next six to eight weeks. I said, go get your groceries this week, and then after that, wait to see the numbers come up and come down, because... They're older, and I want to see them once they have a chance to get their vaccine. I want to do something in March, April, or May that we couldn't do this whole year. I want to get together with my family and my kids and do wonderful things. And the way we do that is by protecting ourselves and protecting others to the utmost of our capacity today. 
I know a family that's doing their uh, Christmas celebrations uh, in the summer. <laughs> it's just it's like Christmas in August, something like that. It's a if of great course it's idea. possible. Why not? Yeah. Christmas it's in July. Idea. Yeah. yeah, Dr. Samantha Hill has been with us, president of the Ontario Medical Association, talking about the arrival of vaccine and everything COVID. Uh, Samantha, thanks so much for the time. Be well. No worries. Be well. Stay safe. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.